Well, here's the funny thing. I've never pitched anybody in my life. If I ever was asked to put together a proposal, I would literally reply, I don't know how to do that. I'm sorry. The more active I am on social, the more incoming comes in. And that is how my friend Scott Eddy runs his business. And his business is being paid to travel the world. He is a luxury travel influencer. And if you check out his Instagram, you will feel a little jealous (laughs) because he is all over the world staying at the nicest resorts, eating so much amazing food and taking amazing pictures of all of it. And that's his job. So he is here on the Become a Media Maven podcast to tell us how he got started and how he grew his fan base on social media, which in turn grew his business. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Scott, I am so happy that I get you in between your travels to talk to you because it took us a few weeks to actually get this on the books. It did. We we worked it out. We did work it out. You're always traveling. You're always somewhere. And that's basically your job. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's my life. Tell us how you got started. First, tell us what you do now and tell us when and how it all began. So I basically travel full time. Uh, I don't have a home. I stay with my sister in between trips. And I do about 20, 25 countries a year. Last year, I did 184,000 miles and six cruises. And uh, I just go nonstop. I love it. And you get paid to do this. Yeah, absolutely. It's a business. You know, as much as on the front end, it looks like you're having fun. Um, and I am. It's, it's very authentic. But at the end of the day, it's a business. But it didn't start like a business. So tell me when this all started and how it all started. So I'll even, I'll, I'll even paint a clearer picture for you and go back to where it all began. So my dad's side of the family is all police officers, and he's from Michigan. I was born in Michigan. We moved to Fort Lauderdale when I was three. And my dad was a Fort Lauderdale cop. And, you know, for me, there was no decision on what I was going to do. I was going to finish high school, join the police academy, become a cop, have the two and a half kids, retire and die. Like my life was so mapped out, it wasn't even funny. No thinking required. So I used to spend a lot of time at the police station. I, I basically have police DNA because that's all I was trained to do is when I was little. Three weeks before I graduated high school, my father was killed in the line of duty in a plane crash. In a police plane, they were flying to Tallahassee to get a confession from a guy who was already in jail. They got it. They were on their way back. The Everglades was having really bad brush fires, and the plane just went down into tailspin. Needless to say that this turned my world upside down. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew two things. I hated school. I didn't think that they taught you what you need in the world, and I didn't want to be a police. So that created a big problem because going to school, going to college, 
would have given me a little bit more runway before I had to make decisions on what I wanted to do with my life. And I wasn't really trained to do anything else. My friend called me uh, maybe six months later and told me this was the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. He said, listen, I'm working for an investment banking firm. The two top guys just left. They're moving down to Florida. They're opening up their own place. He goes, I'm really close with one of them. They'll bring you in and sponsor you to take your test. So I was reluctant at first, but finally did it. And at the end of the day, I was a stockbroker for 10 years in the 90s, which I believe gave me a great foundation of selling the most difficult product in the world on the phone. And I can literally sell anything to anybody now. Um, at the end of the 90s, <clears throat> they came out of their office and said, we're selling the firm. I resigned, and my friend's friend, who was an expat living in Thailand, he said, listen, you're 29 years old. You've never been to Europe. You've never been to Asia. You're not working now. Now's your chance. Do it. So I bought a two-week ticket to go visit him in Bangkok. After four days, I just I couldn't believe how nice the people were. You know, After coming from an industry full of egos and assholes 24 hours a day, you're literally surrounded by them. And then going to a place that has the nicest people in the world, but you're still in a city with 13 million people. I didn't, I didn't think the two worlds exist because in the States, if you're in a big city, you have more opportunities, but you're surrounded by shitty people. You have to go to a small town where nobody knows each other and everybody's nice, but there's no opportunities. I, I think it's kind of weird that we live in the most powerful nation in the world, but yet you can't have the best of both worlds. It's kind of it's kind of strange. So I immediately took to Bangkok. I just I thought it was Disneyland. It was the greatest place in the world. Call my mom, sent for my things. I said I'm never coming back to the U.S. And I ended up living in Europe and Asia for 17 years. Eleven of it in Bangkok. So this was the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s, and I really sort of didn't do anything for the first year and a half. I was sort of getting my head around Asian culture and not being in the U.S. and expat life and that whole thing. But then my friend, who was living in Hong Kong, said, you should set up a digital agency. And I was like, digital what? And he goes, a digital agency. He was at the time working for WPP, top-level management, and he says, we're investing millions into this thing and i said i don't understand investing millions into what there's aol you got mail and myspace <laughs> i i don't know i don't understand what are you investing in he goes just trust me so back and forth back and forth eight nine months finally i was like all right whatever i rolled the dice it doesn't cost anything you know set up a company rent a small office hire a couple people so i did it and within six months, we we're the biggest digital agency in Southeast Asia because we were one of the first. So I, I didn't really uh, have the magic formula. I just did the introductions to the firm. My team was outstanding. And I just watched them as they built up audiences, they developed strategies and, and you know all of the above. And after five years, I closed it up and built up my own brand. I just started bouncing around different countries and um, Twitter was really my weapon of choice. I, I think that <clears throat> I think that it gives you the unlimited potential that 
that most people these days, they don't take advantage of. Um, and I just really started to build my brand. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. You know, I focused on building relationships around the world via my Twitter account. I, I pushed out content nonstop. I, I really tried to put out the best content, provide the best, um, information on, I mean, as, as the years go on, I really get down to my niche, which is luxury travel, but I really talk about a lot on my Twitter, you know, whether it's sports, whether it's different countries, whether it's whatever it is. Um, I just stay away from religion or politics, but everything else I, I pretty much, uh, talk about. And I really like dissect in when I go to new countries, you know, who are the most active Twitter people there and follow those people and engage with them and try to meet up in real life. And I, I, I did that for many, many years, um, especially active when I moved to Asia or to, to Europe from Asia. And I was in Spain for four years. I was in Portugal for a year and I was in London for a year. And I literally moved to every one of those countries without knowing one person. Now, the only country I did, I knew one person is when I went to Portugal, I knew one person in Lisbon and guess what? I met him on Twitter and we're still very close friends to this day. And it just, you know, I, I just, I really try to absorb all the relationships that I have on Twitter and, and all social media now and turn it into real life relationships. And some incredible opportunities have, has arisen from that. So I, I didn't know, I mean, back then the word influencer wasn't even a word. Um, I didn't know I was going to be able to monetize my audience. I mean, that's, that was unheard of 10 years ago. And, you know, even now the word influencer, it's so egotistical and it's so entitled. It's just a dumb word and everybody has it in their, in their bio. But realistically, a proper person that has influence, it has taken them many years of basically virtually hugging their audience every day curating the right type of content and replying to every comment, really reaching out and becoming their virtual friend. So when did it start for you when, when you, obviously you explain how you build this following on Twitter, Instagram, Mm -hmm. your Instagram channel is beautiful. You're a master at the drone photography. (laughs) (laughs) When did you start building a following on Instagram and how did you start doing it? Instagram, it was really only about three and a half, four years ago, because if you remember, Instagram came out and it was only an iPhone app for a year, year and a half before it was available on everywhere. And I'm not an Apple guy, so I had to wait just like everybody else. But I really, so probably the first two years I was on Instagram because I'm so active on Twitter. What I used to do like three or four times a week is I used to take screenshots of a six picture grid on my Instagram. And it's always a different grid and ask people on Twitter, are you following me on Instagram? And I used to do it all random times of the day, all different days of the week, never, you know, like Tuesdays at two o'clock or Fridays at four all different times so I was getting all different time zones and every time I was doing that there was 100 200 300 
you know, every time you're mentioned in an article or top Instagram accounts or, or there was an interview on TV or whatever it is, you know, you get a hundred, you get a hundred, you get a hundred, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, just hustling like that. You engage heavy, heavy, heavy. I do loads of research. I research hashtags and, you know, just everything, just trying to engage with people that look like they have the possibility of following you and engage with you. People that act like humans, not these Instagram accounts that have 500,000 followers and they follow 30 people. That's, that's a one way, one way street, one way streets eventually become dead ends. I like that. Now tell me how, so you're growing and you're posting content that is very relative to your life, which includes a lot of travel. So how did you start turning this into a business? January 2015, I got a tweet from Jason Will, who's the CEO for Zipkick, which you'll see in some of my bios. It's a foodie and wine um, app that came out of San Francisco that basically built up this tribe of food bloggers and wine bloggers around the world. And I was the first person that he reached out to on Twitter. And then we turned tweets into a conversation. And within 45 minutes of talking, he says, listen, forget everything that we talked about. How would you like to just come to San Francisco and be my global brand ambassador? And we build this up together. So I was, there was a couple calls going back and forth, but I was on a plane within, I think, 72 hours of that first tweet. And I literally stayed at his house, Jason's house, and we're still good friends to this day, in San Francisco um, for most of 2015. But then as soon as I got to San Francisco, and as soon as I started posting stuff from the U.S., all of a sudden, all these PR agencies started to reach out to me. And I was very, very fortunate because one of the first agencies that reached out to me was this girl Bethany from the Zimmerman or Zimmerman PR up in Tallahassee, who's still a very close relationship to me. I deal with that PR agency a lot, but I really grilled her just asking questions, asking questions, email questions, you know, like, tell me about this industry. How does it work? What's a press trip? What's a, what's this? What's that? What's that? And truth be told, I owe her everything because she gave me so much knowledge in 2015 that it just, I ended up taking 29 media press trips, fam trips, whatever you want to call them in 2015. And I don't really do press trips anymore, but I did them. I did good ones. I did bad ones just to learn and soak in everything that this industry is good and bad. That's awesome. And I understand why you did it then and why you don't do it now because you have your right. worked your way up to a different kind right. of caliber where it's just not necessary. Sure. Like you said, it's all a learning experience. Okay, so you kind sure. of touched on it there. But tell me more about how the connection is made. I'm sure when you get to a certain level, you are no longer pitching yourself and opportunities are coming to you. But explain how that works for people who don't see the business side of things. Well, here's the funny thing. I've never pitched anybody in my life. If I ever was asked to put together a proposal, I would literally reply, I don't know how to do that. I'm sorry. Because the more active I am on social, the more incoming comes in. But I would, I would, gener I would genuinely say that it used to be 95% of my business, even higher, 
they would find me on Twitter just because when you search my name on Google, because Twitter and Google search has such a strong relationship for news, I rank very high in Google searches. So I dominate the first four pages without ever spending a dollar on SEO. By the way, that's a free tip for people spending oodles on SEO. That's an amazing um, tip for people. Well, if people think about it, like Google and Facebook are competitors. So think about how high Google is going to rank Facebook searches and Facebook relevancy and, and Instagram as well. And think about the comparison. The media world needs Twitter. Every PR company in the world is on Twitter. And Google search is basically just like a news source. So if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. And, you, and you'd be like, oh, wow, I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I think about that before? But anyway, so I would say 95 to 98% used to be find me on Twitter, send me an email, let's do business. Now it's probably 70%. And the rest is either Instagram or, you know, now I'm on a lot of lists. So the emails just come directly. But, um, but yeah, it's the more active I am on social. So I get most of my business when I'm on trips. And I'm posting heavy because people see the drone shots that I just did in Aruba and they say, oh, I want that for my client. Let's talk. That's generally how it happens. And you have and great it, engagement too. Yeah. Well, I talk back. I'm human and I act human. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of these. And, and listen, I'm friends with a lot of these people and I'm not throwing a ton of people under the bus, but I will say I will never be one of these so-called Instagrammers where every single photo is staged. Yeah, I might set up a nice table of food and whatnot, but after that picture gets taken, I'm eating all that food. <laughs> like, like, I mean, you've we've been together before. Yes. I mean, and I've done pictures in front of you, and after the fact, we go right back to real life. That's true. You know, I have no problem you know, going on a gorgeous trip and luxury travel, this and this and this. And then when I get home, doing a selfie with my 16 year old niece at like a local restaurant. And I won't not do it because it'll mess up my grid or it's not the same filter or come on, man, that's not real. I like that because I feel like there's so much I was actually targeted with a oh. Facebook ad and it was like, your feed could look like this or it could look like this. And it oh. was all like same color scheme and this and that. And it looks good, but it's nice to hear somebody who's making money based off of his social media saying your social media can look real and you can still be successful. And, it, and, it, and it's just funny that, that I do so many things outside of the travel industry. Like I shot... Um, and you'll see these videos very soon. You'll see them probably within this week. Um, I just shot videos for HP for Hewlett Packard and I just posted today. I'm sure you saw the video that I posted. I just shot video up at Disney with my sister, my niece, um, and her friend. We shot, a like, uh, it was a luxury travel campaign for the VIP private tours. And typically these are really like their bread and butter is the mommy bloggers and people like that. But, you know, they reached out for something different and the engagement so far has been really heavy. That's awesome. Okay. Tell us more about the business side of things that people may find boring, but <laughs> it is necessary if you want to get paid. As far as they reach out to you, do they tell you specifically, this is what I want from you, A, B, C, D, or do they say, 
what can you do? Or I liked when you did this. How can you do it this way? How does it work as far as what you deliver and what they pay you? It So I've gotten emails exactly down that list. I've gotten everything that you just said. Okay. And it's not more than one another. Um, I, I would probably say the most that I get is if it's a very specific campaign, like I just did a, one for WeWork. Um, and it was through Gary V's digital agency, Vayner Media. So Vayner is the best to work with. Um, they, they, they pay very fair rates. Um, everything is very, like, super organized. Nothing has ever gone wrong. And I've done five or six campaigns for them this year. And it, it's just very, very good. They pay on time, if not early. It, it's just good. And they work with huge companies. Um, but I would, I would probably say... I, I get most of my business probably from seven or eight PR agencies that I work with on a consistent basis. So, I mean, you have the company, the agencies like DCI, who do a lot of DMOs and a lot of destination um, uh, PR work, and they represent Visit California, who happens to be my biggest domestic client. I, I And within that, I work with a lot of the vineyards and wineries and people like that in Napa and Sonoma. Um, <clears throat> But I work with a lot of hotels as well. And then once the relationship is established, a lot of these hotels will just reach out to me directly. Okay, so you're obviously doing something that they like. And I mean, you know, I work on the more micro, micro (laughs) influencer level. And I've been, I've worked with influencers on both sides. And I have seen so-called influencers, they go to these places, they collect their freebies or their little paycheck and they do not deliver anything or the client has a terrible experience and they swear off that influencer or other influencers. So tell me what you do that gets people coming back to you. Well, first off, I'll say if you ever want to know how good an influencer is, look to see how many repeat clients they have. How many times have they been to multi- to the same destination? worked with the same brand that is really like i'm sitting at 69 countries right now right and i'm dying to tick off that 70th country not that i country count but you know like the whole numbers you kind of want to tick it off you know i want like a cool country but i keep going to the same places like i just came back from sicily and i'm going again in september and i just came back from the caribbean and i'm going and i just went back down to aruba and now I just came back from Lake Tahoe and I'm going right back there on Thursday. So it's like sometimes it's it, it's it's it sucks that you have such good relationships with your clients because you're always going to be doing the same rotation. Now, that's I mean, life could be worse. I mean, that's bitching about success. <laughs> First <world> problems. <laughs> right. So um, I get and, and you'll attest to this because we didn't we meet on Twitter? And didn't we? I there was some kind of media overlapping, knowing the same people on social situation happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I I try to get with whoever the point person is, either the PR agency or the person at the destination, but whoever the decision maker is, I just for me, I'm a people person, and I want to get personally either a friendship or something going on right away. That has nothing to do with business. I want to know who the people are. Whereas most people, and I've traveled with a lot of these um, big people on social, and 
you know, most people, they, they, as soon as they get there, they're like, okay, um, you know, where am I going to do this shoot? Where am I going to do this? Where am I going to do this? And they try to make it too much business. Whereas we're in a business, yes, it's a business at the end of the day, but you're in a business of fun. You're in a business of creating enjoyment. You're, you're in a business of creating visual memories for people and who people, I mean, let's be fair, who live vicariously through your feed. And if it's not fun coming with it, coming from the inside out, like it's not, you can't just stage your whole life. So I try to get personal. I try to become very good friends with these people. I try to figure out what they want. Forget about what I want. What I want is easy. I mean, I already know that they're going to create a, a beautiful itinerary for me with gorgeous things in front of me where I could fly my drone, where I can do my sunrise shots, where I can, you know, do whatever it is. That's the easy part. But ask them what they want. And I always over deliver by minimum 20 to 30 percent, if not more. So that's something influencers or want to be rarely influencers do. should be doing. Rarely do. Yeah, they should be. And they rarely do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go to the effect of, um, listen, I was just in Aruba and I was staying at this gorgeous resort, um, Divi and Tamarina. It was all inclusives. I don't normally do all inclusive resorts, um, because that image that's in your head right now is exactly the one that's in my head. And I really don't like it, but this resort is very cool. Uh, best food I've ever had at all inclusive, but I'm so close with the GM and I got very close to him a year and a half when I visited the property for the first time that not yesterday morning, but the morning after he took me with his two other friends to like probably the best kite surfing spot in the whole Caribbean to watch him and his friends who are borderline professionals. And what did I do? I saw a chance to get great content. So I just took out my camera. It was too windy for my drone. And I just took out my camera and I took pictures. And the guy was so grateful because they go kite surfing every week. But it's only to go kite surfing. Nobody ever sits on the sand and takes the pictures. And I, like, sent it to them. And these guys were, like, he sent me, like, 10 emails today thanking me. But, I mean, it took zero effort. It was a great experience for me. And he got something that he would have never gotten he couldn't even have paid for that, you know? So when we're talking about the brands, mm-hmm. if somebody <clears throat> listening wants to reach out to an influencer like you or a micro-influencer, what's the mm-hmm. best way to go about reaching out? And I ask this for two reasons. One, just so they reach out in a way that comes from an educated standpoint. And two, to avoid those so-called influencers who have ulterior motives and are not the best for their brand. And I'll let you rant about that. (laughs) Email. Because at the end of the day, my Twitter DM, I don't check because it's all spam or people just asking me to do stuff without even saying, hello, how are you? Like they have no manners. Um, LinkedIn is the same thing. And the only thing I check is Instagram, but Instagram's getting so bad that that's going to be blacklisted as well. What do they say in the email? I mean, just talk like a human. You know, definitely just, I I can't stand when I get an email and it's all it is, is send me your rate card for this. Because I guaranteed I'm going to respond. Listen, I say hello and how are you? This is how I begin emails. I, I feel it's like like my job to like educate people on manners. It's so ridiculous. 
how there's nothing in the world. Just be human. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. Tell me your idea. Let's just work together. Nine times out of 10, I try to hop on a call as soon as possible just so we can talk through it. I'm very easy. I'm very, you know, it's just me. So if it doesn't interest me, but I still think you're a good person, I'm going to say, listen, it's not for me or I'm busy or whatever, but I'll introduce you to some good people. There are quite a few good people in this business. And, you know, I'd rather that they deal with good people as well rather than shitty people because there's a lot of shit out there. And how do you avoid that? Because there is a lot. You can't avoid that. I mean, it's like saying I'm going to the supermarket, but I want to avoid all the bad people. Listen, (laughs) it is what it is. It's the world we live in. You're never going to avoid it. When it's in front of your face, you block them, you unfollow them, you move on. For you to get stressed out, and I see it every single day, especially on social, for you to get stressed out and get stressed over things that you have no control of, like I, I'll never understand that. Like, what is the end game? What logic is there? Just block and move on. So no how can how can people do better in this influencer marketing game on both ends? Whether they want to build their following and get more opportunities and turn their brand into a business, or they want to work with more people like you to build their brands up. How can we do better? Number one, on the brand side, they really need to do a lot more research on the person that they potentially want to hire or the person that they just hired. Because I know when I'm working with somebody for the first time, as soon as I either get my final itinerary or I walk into the first hotel, I know automatically if they've done their research. Because, you know, I do certain things when I get to a hotel, like a walkthrough video of my room, like you just... There's little intricacies that need to be handled, very, very small details that make all the difference in the world when you travel. And I feel that brands, now I'm not saying all because a lot of them are doing the right thing, but there's still a ton that are not, they're not doing the research on who they hire. Like they need to know what I like to post. They need to know what my favorite posts are. What, what does well on engagement? You know, what is my audience like? What kind of comments are they making? That's a, it's a lot. It's very time consuming. But if you're spending the money getting me there, like you'd be an idiot not to do it. And I totally agree with you. But do you think that's why they don't do their homework is because it's time consuming? Absolutely. Or Mm -hmm. they don't know how to do it. Yep. They're, they're doing influencer marketing because society says you need to do influencer marketing. Okay. I did it. It's sort of like a company that sets up all their social media. And then automates everything. Or they do one post automation to all, all three platforms. Like absolute idiots. Because every platform has your own unique personality. And therefore, the, their post should not be the same. The post should not, like nine times out of ten, you're going to have the same audience on three different platforms. Not always, but you're going to have a lot of overlap. Why do you want to bore those people with posting something that they've just seen? Supposed it later, maybe with a different image, maybe with different wording, whatever it is. It's just, it's, people are lazy. And it's all about, oh, I don't have the time, I don't have the time, I don't have the time. That's bullshit. You're just unorganized, and you're, you're sleeping too long, you're not getting up early enough, and your day is scattered instead of being organized. People don't prioritize the whole social media part 
when that is just as important as something else. And because social media doesn't bring in ROI within 24 hours, it falls to the bottom of the list. And you do something that's very different than a lot of other people, and that is you always post in real time. You don't schedule anything. No, no, no. No, no, no. I have, I mean, there's two companies, two of the biggest scheduling uh, platforms out there where scheduling is a big part of their business. They are dying to get me as a brand ambassador. And I have literally blocked and unsubscribed to one of the companies because they contact me too much. I, I refuse. There's no amount of money that you can pay me. I built my brand on being real time and I won't change that for anything. Now, I also understand the other side of the coin. You know, you get some of these girls that are solo travelers and, you know, it's a pretty girl. I get them not posting in real time because they'll have, you know, the world is not nice sometimes and they Mm -hmm. have like freaks coming out. And I get that part. But beyond that, I'm super real time. Nobody's coming after me. I don't have, I haven't had a bikini body for a long time. (laughs) You are so funny. Where can people find you, Scott? All over. At Mr. Scott Eddie on all the platforms. And uh, I'm there. Just talk. I talk back. I'm human. He does talk (laughs) back, folks. And he talks a lot. So be careful when you reach out. (laughs) Thank you so much, Scott. Is there anything else you want to add? I should have asked. I should have talked about it. I mean, you have so much. Like, we could go on forever. But that was amazing. Like, so much value in that interview. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, I love doing these podcast interviews. I think they're they provide tremendous value to to your audience, but um, you know, they're fun at the end of the day, you know. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Christina. At Mr. Scott Eddie, everybody.